Your church is as healthy as the groups assembled. Your groups are as healthy as the leaders available, and so like it or not, the maturity of any group rises and falls on the pace that the leaders set. The leadership in your church is critical. It's time to go the second mile with game-changing group leaders. Hey, this is Travis Agnew, and thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 541, where he says, if anyone asks you to go one mile or forces you to go that way, go within the second mile. Don't do just the bare minimum as we follow Jesus, but let's do as much as we possibly can and live our life to the fullest, to the glory of God, and for the good of others. And so that's why we've been spending a um, a few weeks talking about the, the nature of groups, especially in a time like 2021. When the church is something that we are learning uh, how to be the church in the times where we're encouraged to social distance. And so whether you're online or in person, the need for more than just uh, online worship is so important. You need to be connected with a body of believers. And so for a few weeks, we talked about that regardless of whatever you call that, whether it's a Sunday school or a gospel group, small group, you name it, that smaller group of people, the group that's smaller than a worship service that you gather with regularly, you need to make sure that it has certain characteristics about it. The first thing we talked about was the need for the authority of God's word to be the grounding force and the driving factor in your group. Uh, These last few weeks, we've been talking about the maturity of the actual group leaders. And this is something we don't typically like to talk about because in church, we like to say how, you know, nobody's perfect and we're all kind of, you know, messed up people and, you know, uh, who really is worthy of leading a certain group. And and I understand that at a um, functional level, as far as it deals with our righteousness, that no one is perfect. And yet, we also know that there is a need that we need to strive for mature leaders. And so for a lot of people who feel like the spiritual health and depth of their church congregation is waning and and weak and maybe watered down, if you're in that place, one of the things that you may need to think about Maybe the curriculum is fine. Maybe the environment is set up. Maybe you've cast the vision, but have you ever considered that maybe the people aren't rising to the challenge because the standard isn't set up before them? That that comes right down to the group leaders themselves. That comes down to the pastors and the ministers and the leaders that are present in your church. But if you expect your people to evangelize, my question would be, are, are the leaders evangelizing? If you want your people to pray, are your leaders praying? If you want people to be students of the word and generous and compassionate people and people who are obeying God's word, then my question is, are the leaders that you're putting up there in front of them, people who are doing that to a level where people would want to follow their lead, lead in it? And that's when you realize that more than just having leaders, you have game-changing group leaders that could change the fabric of your entire church. So when I first started teaching college courses on a campus, uh, one of the things that I realized very quickly is that you know college students they have a lot of opinions and uh, they, they kind of are reviewing you from day one about if they think that you're a quality uh, teacher or not, right? And and so what's interesting is is that the, when I went through college and then also starting to teach in college, I did realize that just because you have knowledge doesn't mean that you're a good teacher. 
in the same way, just because you are at a place of high successful position in life doesn't mean that you're actually a good group leader. In fact, I've known some people who do know the word very well, but they just really aren't gifted in teaching it or communicating. Or I've known people who are very gifted at um, giving uh, theological truth, but they don't know how to facilitate a group discussion or really the pastoral care side of things that should happen within a group setting. Because when I think of a group, I think of a small group of people that are committed together to meet for a long period of time. This is more than a short-term Bible study that meets for six or eight weeks. Now, this is something that a group that says we're meeting together for like the next year or maybe even longer that say, you know what? We're going to be around a a group size in which that if someone's missing, we notice it. Uh, So if you look at the life and the example of Jesus, while he had hundreds of people who would be considered as his disciples, he pulled 12 to the side and said, all right, you're really going to stay with me. And he really invested uh, predominantly in in them above the the masses because he knew he had to focus in. And so if if you have, you know, really 13 people in this group, Jesus and the 12 disciples, if one is missing, you notice it, right? If four are missing, you notice it. So even within that, you, you notice the way that the disciples are broken down, there is kind of a hierarchy to it. And there's groups of four that you see within those 12 that you kind of looks like there are certain leaders and people who kind of stick together so that there's kind of this um, way that Jesus was taking care of all the needs and making sure that everyone was taken care of. And so what can happen a lot of times is, is in the ebb and flow of church life, right? You get new people coming in and, and people are wanting to join a group or get into a class. Um, the first mile believers is this, and I'm just going to speak very honestly as a pastor, that sometimes you just want to get somebody in place, right? The first mile believers is get someone in place, but second mile believers go, no, we want we want leaders in the pace, in the pace of what God is calling us to, in the pace of what we want people as they're following Jesus. And so we don't want just leaders in place, filling a role. We want leaders in pace, following Jesus at the right step that we want them to be so that when they give that example, other people would want to follow in line with it. I love Psalm chapter 77, verse 20. The the last uh, line in the Psalm says it this way, speaking to God, it says, God, you led the people like a flock, which is, you know, a common language that we typically hear. And throughout scripture is that we're like sheep and God's like a shepherd. But what's interesting about this last line in the Psalm is it says, you led the people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And you go, wait a minute, did did God lead the people or did Moses and Aaron lead the people? And the answer was yes. God shepherded the people with the under shepherds of Moses and Aaron. And so he was leading the people like a flock, but he led them by the actual like hand, the the leadership up front and close and personal that Moses and Aaron were giving to them. And so what's beautiful about this is, is that we see this incredible kind of um, idea that God has is that he wants to lead his people, his church, like a flock, right? But what he does is he puts together people who act as if shepherds to watch over smaller groups of people and that the day-to-day life of weather watching over them is that they're looking out for danger. They're leading them to still waters and green pastures and they're keeping them together with other sheep so that they're not isolated and endangered. And you see why this is so important because we see that God does lead his people like a flock. But the typical way that he does it is that he leads them like a flock by the hand of shepherds, uh, by people that he puts into the life. And so if you've never thought about this way, your group leaders should almost function as shepherds with a smaller section of sheep that they're responsible for so that they know that if they're in danger, if they're in community with one another, and if they're also close enough to hear and be led by the voice and the direction of the given shepherd at the time.
so another great uh, period in Israel's history that you would see God sort of call in on leaders uh, was the book of Judges when the people were all out of sorts and it says that they did what was right in their own eyes and God would bring about these leaders even some of them being very flawed uh, but yet he, he put some of them in place to try to call the people back to holiness and back to the ways of the Lord. And in one of these situations where these uh, two judges, two leaders, Deborah and Barak, uh, they lead the people to safety and get them back to the right place. Uh, in Judges chapter 5, verse 2, they, they break out this song. And I love the beginning of this worship song because it says, they, they worship, it says that the leaders took the lead in Israel, that the people offer themselves willingly, bless the Lord. Did you catch that? They said, let's bless the Lord. Why? Because our leaders led. Because our people followed. That's why. And this is such a beautiful picture because it was a cause for worship when when God's people said, look, our leaders actually took the lead. And when they did that, our people actually followed. And that's what's needed in every single church. And that's why your leaders need to be game changing group leaders and not just saying they fill a seat, they they teach a lesson, they, they fill out the role. No, no, no. They are game changing group leaders because the health of your church is is absolutely contingent upon the health of your uh, groups. And the health of your groups are contingent upon the the health of your leaders. And so um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16 says something that is so um, challenging for me to process as a pastor, as a father, as a group leader. Because Paul says this to his son in the faith. He says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Okay, so he says, all right, let me stop there. He says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Be careful of who you are and what you teach. You need to watch this out. You know, okay, well, why would he why would we need to do that? Well, this is why. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself, and listen to this, and your hearers. Did you hear what Paul told Timothy? You keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. You need to persist in this. Don't get slack in it. You keep going the second mile. Why? Because by doing so, you're not only going to save yourself, but you're going to save your hearers. Let me tell you something. The leadership in your church sets the pace, sets the tone. And if you're not investing and raising the bar for them, you are lowering the bar for everyone else. Because if we don't keep a close watch on ourselves, our holiness, our integrity, the way that we're walking with Jesus, if we're not keeping a close watch on what we're teaching, how we're teaching it, making sure we're guiding people to the truth, then what takes place over time is that not only endangers ourselves, but also endangers those that are around you. I talked with a group of pastors just this week, and I looked at them and I said, uh, what would you think, would you want the people in your life to copy and paste your devotional practices? Because if you don't, you need to change now. How many of you would want that the way that you look at the internet is the way that your daughter's future husband would look at the internet? How many of you would want someone to know that your stance for purity and your pursuit of God is what everybody in your church did? And if you're not happy with those examples, then you need to change. Why? Because your church is as healthy as the groups assembled and your groups are as healthy as the leaders available. And people, any church, any group, any momentum, any ministry organization will rise and fall on the pace that the leaders set. So you need to keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. You persist in doing this. Why? Because by doing it, you save both yourselves and your hearers. 
Right now, your church needs game-changing group leaders. If you want to change the health and the maturity and really just the posture of the way that your members are acting, it starts with not trying to do a sermon series or a simple a study that's going to fix everything. You start discipling the disciple makers who will go in turn and disciple other people. The focus must be on the maturity of your group leaders at every part within your church. It's a hard task. It's a worthwhile task. And it's the only one that works. I hope to see you on the second mile.